Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our number 877 Well, ladies and gentlemen, I had an opportunity for this coming Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin program on Fox to uh, sit down with Benjamin Netanyahu. He'll be leaving town soon, so... I was very fortunate to be one of two or three who were able to actually speak with him at some length. And remember, the format of my new Fox show is a long-form interview with somebody who I consider to be very important. In some cases, you'll know who they are. In some cases, you won't. Obviously, you know who the Prime Minister of Israel is. Now, just so you know... I don't pretend to be a reporter, because to be a reporter, I would have to drop about 40 IQ points. To be a reporter, I would have to be a progressive. To be a reporter, I would want to sabotage the prime minister, as I would want to sabotage any great conservative leader. So I'm not that. That's not the point of my program. The point of my program is to expose you out there to the viewpoints of very, very special people. Not to play CNN, not to play MSNBC, not to play the Jerusalem Post or Haaretz or any of that nonsense. There's enough of that. And yet, I did ask him a question about what's taking place in Israel related to him. I'll keep something in mind during the course of my interview for Sunday with the Prime Minister, it was probably 1% of what we covered. Because if you want to hear about all that, you know where to go. I don't want to hear about all that. But I want to give you, play this clip for you, because when I finished the taping of the program for Fox I spent a little bit more time with him and said, look, you know, I do a radio show, too. He said, absolutely, I know. It's a rather substantial show. And I said, I'm going to ask you a question, and you can deal with it as you wish to play exclusively on radio. And so here it is. Cut one, go. Mr. Prime Minister, it's a pleasure to see you. Same here. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. As a former Chief of Staff to an Attorney General of the United States in the Reagan administration, uh, and having watched investigations and so forth for years, I've been reading, obviously at a distance, some of these news reports in your newspapers, and I'm a bit confounded, and I think a lot of the American people are confounded. Um, a couple of things struck me. Number one, a judge and a lawyer texting each other about how they're going to conduct themselves, what they're going to say to each other, including to the point of in the courtroom, what they're going to look like, how they're going to behave. And then these tactics that in the United States we typically save for mobsters and so forth, which is to try.
try and get people to turn by um, by cutting deals with them on crimes they may have committed. That is, they serve no time or they serve a reduced sentence and so forth in order to provide investigators essentially with information that they want. Now, I don't know the extent that you can discuss this or the extent that you want to discuss this. But what do you make of this? Well, I'd rather think about whether I want to comment on about this, but All I'd right. say that you're, you're pretty perceptive. Mm-hmm. I can tell you from my own point of view, when I see what's going on in our country, how our president's being investigated, I see how you're being investigated. I look at the state of Israel. You're surrounded by enemies. Yeah. Iran, the most notorious, but there are many that are notorious. Syria. You've got Hezbollah. Hamas. It's a lousy neighborhood. It's a tough neighborhood. Um, and yet, I, I say to myself, even in my own country, I say with our president, when we're looking at North Korea, Iran, Russia, China, and all the rest, do people not understand what leaders are facing when they're trying to deal with these enemies day in and day out, when leaders are nickel and dimed to death like this? You're probably not in a position to discuss it, but what's your thought on that? Well, you asked me if people understand what leaders have to do. And the answer is, they do understand. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the support I received time and time again. I've been you know, elected prime minister four times. That's not an obvious thing. They say that today I've never been stronger in public opinion. Uh, why is that? It's because I think the citizens do understand that we work to make sure, I work to make sure that the country is safe. That's my first job, to protect the state of Israel. And second, that the country is prosperous. Uh, and we've, you know, we've turned Israel into a tremendous engine of innovation. It's a free market economy with technology. And it's become a world leader in so many areas. And people recognize that. How do I know that they recognize that? Well, there's a poll that they take, not inside the country, but across countries, every year. It's called the Happiness Index. They ask people, are you happy? And, you know, okay, you can imagine that the first countries are something like, uh, I don't know, uh, Canada or Norway, Bermuda, Denmark. Right. No, no, it's usually you know, the, the sort of the Australia. <laughs> well, Israel is right there, beating most of the other countries of the West. It's number eleven. So people say, how can that be? It must be a fluke. But they keep it keeps going up. And they say, how can it be? It's a country, you know, in this horrible neighborhood. You've got terrorism. You've got radical Islam. You've got challenges, but it comes out ahead of most countries in the world. They say, yeah, but that's the old timers. They're fixed already. Their lives are okay. What about the young people? You know where they come up? Number five, mm. which means they have a real confidence in the future. Uh, and that's because I think they appreciate it. That's why I think I'm here. Because I don't think I'm here. Uh, I'm here because of that. I know that that's what drives me, animates me. How to ensure that the Jewish state uh, has a permanent future 
of security and prosperity and peace if we can get it. And the people of Israel, I think, do identify that. Uh, so the answer is most of them do understand. All of them? No. Most of them? Yes. I'm back live. I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that it was such a pleasure talking to him. And I really hope you don't miss it on Sunday. It's a full hour at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, I ask him a question, and I sit back and listen. And when he's done, I ask him another question. He's an extremely brilliant man. He reads constantly. He's a voracious reader. He understands philosophy. He understands not only the history of Israel, the history of the United States, the history of Britain. Among the many admires most is Winston Churchill. And we talk about that. And we talk about Iran and the Palestinians and his relationship with our president and what it meant to him and his people on the decision by our president to recognize Jerusalem as the capital. I cover a wide field of issues, and he doesn't duck a single one. And in fact, I learned a great deal about him and from him that I didn't know before. And one of his closest aides told me he was telling some stories that they never knew before. It's a very relaxed conversation. And I think he's an absolutely remarkable man. So I hope you'll join us. Look, what's today, Wednesday? I'm not hawking the show. I'm telling you, I just finished with him. And really, I just found it to be, not because of me, because of him, absolutely compelling, absolutely compelling. I told you I was going to spend this one hour on the Fox News channel, doing something different. We've had Walter Williams, where we talked philosophy. We had Devin Nunes, where we talked at great length and comprehensively about the greatest domestic scandal in modern American history. My next guest is the great Prime Minister of Israel, where I spend time asking him questions, and truly listening to his answers. And you'll be sitting there right with me. And that's the goal. All right, there's a lot to cover today, and we'll be right back. Lovin. leftists in this country, the progressives, they like to play games. One day they're for the Tenth Amendment, one day they're against it. One day they believe in federalism, one day they don't. One day they believe in states' rights, and one day they don't. And they always wrap themselves in the Constitution. They wrap themselves in the language of the Constitution. One day and the next day they wrap themselves in language... It's not in the Constitution, but they say it should be in the Constitution under their living and breathing theory of the Constitution. In other words, these people are power-hungry and the ends justify the means. That's exactly what's going on in California, and that's exactly what's going on with immigration in California. 
The Democrats figured out some time ago that the way you beat Reagan and Duke Majin, the way you beat all these Republican governors and conservatives in California is to change the voter. That is to change the electorate. And they're not about to be stopped now. They're not about to be stopped now. And so their position is, we believe in the Tenth Amendment. States can decide issues related to immigration. Now, did you hear the leftists argue that? When Arizona passed laws not to defy federal law, but to support federal law, to implement federal law, parallel laws. No, the left attacked Arizona. Obama attacked Arizona. They took their case all the way to the United States Supreme Court where Anthony Kennedy wrote an opinion and essentially said the federal government's in charge of immigration and the states essentially have no say. He even said more. More than Congress. The president is in charge of immigration and really Congress has very little to say. Now that's not what the Constitution says exactly, but that was the ruling of the United States Supreme Court. And everybody celebrated it. Because Arizona's attempt to enforce federal immigration law when the President of the United States was defying federal immigration law mostly went down the tubes. Now we have federal district judges, leftists, most of them appointed by Obama, who've taken the position, the position that Arizona took. That the President has no power when it comes to refugees. The president doesn't have power to do this, that, or the other thing. Now, don't, make, don't get me wrong. Arizona was trying to comply and enforce federal law where the president wouldn't. In the case of these federal judges, they are defying the very law they're supposed to be upholding and violating separation of powers. In California, we have a rogue state, a radical left-wing state, a one-party state where they continue to try and eliminate any Republican opposition. And in order to do so, they must completely and utterly eviscerate the citizenry in California. And so, what are they doing? Well, they're doing a number of things. They're defying federal law. They're threatening private businesses that seek to assist the federal government when it comes to reporting illegal aliens. They're putting all kinds of legal barriers in front of not just the deportation of illegal aliens, and that would include criminal aliens, but even alerting the federal government to the existence of these people in the state. Senate Bill 54 in California prohibits agencies from using their resources to investigate, interrogate, detain, detect, or arrest people for immigration enforcement purposes. Forbids police from inquiring into an individual's immigration status or making an arrest based on a civil immigration warrant. Prevents departments from detaining individuals at the request of the federal government. Prohibits agencies from sharing release dates or other personal information, such as home and work addresses, unless the information is publicly available. This is state law in California. Bans the transfer of an inmate to immigration authorities unless authorized by a judicial warrant or the individual serving time for or has previously been convicted of any of about 800 crimes. 
prevents immigration authorities from interviewing individuals at local jails without a judicial warrant. Well, of course, by the time you go into court and get a warrant, they're gone. Requires, and by the way, certain due process and other judicial and justice-related rights that apply to American citizens don't necessarily apply to aliens who are here illegally, just so you know. Instructs the state corrections and parole agencies to notify federal immigration authorities at least 60 days before the scheduled release date of an undocumented immigrant who's serving time for or has previously been convicted of a serious violent offense. Then we have another law. Requires employers to ask immigration agents for a warrant before granting access to a work site. Prevents employers from voluntarily sharing confidential employee information without a subpoena. Requires employers to notify their workers before a federal audit of employee records. Gives the Attorney General of California and the Labor Commission exclusive authority to enforce new provisions of state labor laws. Prohibits employers from re-verifying information on employment verification forms unless compelled to do so by the federal government. So California is more like Mexifornia and Mr. Sessions and the federal government has said enough is enough. Now we're going to continue on this because it's crucially important. I'll be right back. is Liberty's 911 hotline. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. If you look throughout society and you look throughout the culture, you can see that governmental policy, governmental policy is intended first and foremost to benefit the progressive ideology, hence the Democrat Party. Education policy in this country advances the agenda and policies of the Democrat Party and progressives, one and the same. Health care in this country advances the policies of the progressives and the Democrat Party. The federal government's attitude toward local enforcement and law enforcement is intended to advance the policies of the Democrat Party and the progressive ideology. All throughout our society, all throughout our culture, liberty, constitutionalism, capitalism, is being rolled, being plowed under. All throughout our society. And, most clearly, with immigration. Let's be blunt, ladies and gentlemen. Our immigration policies in this country, forget about our immigration law, much of which is actually quite good. Our immigration policies in this country, they're not intended to help the country. They're intended to help the Democrat Party and the progressive ideology. The immigration policies in California, they don't help the state of California. They don't create a more vibrant, robust, successful state. They create a bigger, more powerful Democrat Party. Where elections are becoming really battles between and among Democrats. And this is what you see in autocracies. California is an autocracy. 
It is effectively a one-party state. It is an autocracy. And it didn't get there by convincing the American citizens there to vote for Democrats. They couldn't achieve that. It got there through decades of legal and illegal immigration and chain migration. And so now the body politic in California, that is the Democrat Party, is now conducting itself in ways that undermine the nation, undermine the citizenry in California, but advance the goals and the objectives of the Democrat Party. And so the Democrat Party in California is defying federal immigration law. It is defying the federal... Supreme Court's opinion in the Arizona case. The Democrat Party in California is embracing many of the same arguments that the Democrat Party embraced in the Confederacy. I'm not talking about slavery. I'm talking about nullification. Nullification. I've made this point to you before. I've made it so often that now people on TV and radio repeat it. Well, that's the way it works. Sanctuary cities are lawless local governments that for the purposes of immigration have broken away from the federal government. They have broken away from the federal government. If... If the people in Texas said we are a sanctuary state for the Second Amendment, is there a court in the land that would tolerate that? If the people in Kansas had said we are a sanctuary state when it comes to traditional marriage, would the people in Kansas be able to fend off the federal government? And I could go on and on. And yet, when heavy Democrat one-party cities and states, radical progressives, say, hey, look, we're, we're a sanctuary city, we're a sanctuary state, we're doing it because we're humane, and then cite the Tenth Amendment. That's pretty remarkable. Is it not? Cite the Tenth Amendment? And yet the Constitution does speak of immigration. And the federal government has most of the say. When Arizona simply passed statutes to enforce federal immigration law in the state of Arizona, it was challenged by the federal government, by a president who didn't want to enforce federal immigration law. And he was upheld by the Supreme Court. So here we have precedent from the Supreme Court that says states are not free to do this. That the president has effectively monopoly governmental power over this issue. The Democrats and the liberals got what they wanted, except now they've reversed course because they don't have the presidency. (laughs) If you understand, and most of you do, when you see progressive Democrat politicians pushing a position, they're not pushing it for the country. In other words, they're not advancing it for the best interests of the country. They're advancing it for the best interests of their party. And that's what autocracies do. 
You look at Venezuela, Cuba, China, Russia. You look at these autocracies, different labels on these governments, different forms of autocracy, perhaps, but the mindset is similar, isn't it? The mindset is similar. The Democrats and the progressives argue strenuously for the freedom of the illegal alien. And yet when it comes to your freedom, they don't even mention the word freedom. They don't even mention the word freedom. And they paint a picture of the illegal alien as somebody who's noble and virtuous in every instance. Just trying to work. Just trying to pick lettuce because we won't pick lettuce. Because Americans are lazy and fat and busy with video games and movies and on and on and on. On the other hand, people who come into this country illegally are hardworking, earnest, studious. In fact, their children are, are dreamers. Dreamers. Your children are lazy, of course. Their children are dreamers. They're the future. They're the future. The same progressive left and the Democrats who talk up foreigners who come into this country illegally are the same people who trash this country and the people, the citizenry, who made it great. Anybody who says we're a country of immigrants is not only an ignoramus, is trashing the current generation of American citizens. No country is a country of immigrants. You're a country of citizens. Some of whom may be recent immigrants, some of whom may be children of immigrants, some of whom may be third or fourth generation, but you're a nation of citizens. Citizenry means something. Citizenship means something. And the people who represent you are supposed to represent the citizenry. The country doesn't belong to the state governments, to the local governments, to the federal government. The country doesn't belong to the Supreme Court. The country belongs to you. The people were here before the Supreme Court. The people were here before California was a state. It's called the civil society. It's called the civil society. Here's Jeff Sessions in California today. Cut to go. Immigration law is the province of the federal government. It's in the Constitution. This administration and this Justice Department are determined to make it work effectively for all our people. I understand that we have a wide variety of political opinions out there on immigration, but the law is in the books, and its purposes are clear and just. There is no nullification. There is no secession. Federal law is the supreme law of the land. 
I would invite any doubters to go to Gettysburg or to the tombstones of John C. Calhoun and Abraham Lincoln. This matter has been settled. A refusal to apprehend and deport those, especially the criminal element, effectively rejects all immigration law. It's a rejection of law, and it creates an open borders system. It's the only way it can be described. And open borders is a radical, irrational idea that cannot be accepted. The American people will not accept it. And the United States of America is not some idea. It's a secular nation state with a constitution, with laws, with borders, all of which are designed to protect our nation's interests. And we should be able to agree certainly on this. But we don't. We don't. You see, Barack Obama gave it away early on when he ran the first time for President of the United States. That phrase, fundamental transformation. He gave it away early on. Those two words say everything you need to know. Fundamental transformation. And I immediately said, after he, he spoke those words, as you long-time listeners know, you don't fundamentally transform something you love. You don't fundamentally transform something you revere. You don't fundamentally transform, transform something that is precious. You fundamentally transform something because you dislike it, you despise it, you discredit it, you reject it. And the progressives reject the Declaration of Independence. The progressives reject the Constitution of the United States as they make a mockery of it right now. The progressives reject the idea of a nation state with real borders that are to be enforced. The progressives reject the idea of individualism. The progressives reject the idea of capitalism and private property rights. And so they use every aspect of the culture they possibly can to devour the culture. And the more people who come here illegally... The more people who come here who reject the American culture and refuse to be assimilated into the American culture, from the progressive's point of view, the better. Because that creates chaos and opportunity to advance the power of government and one-party states and the power of those who run these states. Power is a very dangerous thing, ladies and gentlemen, a very, very dangerous thing, which is why the Constitution is set up the way it is, which is why I'm not a populist or a nationalist. I'm a constitutionalist. Power is a very, very dangerous thing. And you can see what it looks like when it's out of control in a state like California. I'll be right back. Mark in. And he has, and they are, and they've been doing it. He's not the first, and he won't be the last. And the problem is, how do you stop it? How do you undo it? 
how do you stop it and how do you undo it? It's difficult. But I want to give a salute to Jeff Sessions, the President of the United States, who are trying to do exactly that right now. When an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is to run to the grocery store, you'll likely find chaos, nothing but empty shelves. You've seen, you've seen these scenes on TV when we have hurricanes or other disasters. There are other disasters. So how do you avoid this? Simple. You use today, when there's no crisis, to make a plan. That's what you do. That's how you invest. That's how you do anything. You get prepared. One practical place to start is storing up some food. Now, I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. I have a, a wonderful supply in, a, in my closet. I'm not hoarding it or anything else. I just want to make sure my family and I have food. That's all. You ought to get prepared. I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my storage, and I really think it's time you give it some, some thought, too. And they've been helping folks like us prepare for 10 years, and it shows. This week only, each person in your household can have the essential two-week emergency food supply for my Patriot Supply for only $67 each. That's a damn good price. The food is not only delicious, and it is. It lasts 25 years in storage. Order now, 800-294-2325. Or use this special website, preparewithmark.com. Make sure everyone in your family has one of those food kits. They'll only be available at this low price this week only. Now, I know that for a fact. So call 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. 800-294-2325. Or preparewithmark.com. By the way, being March 7th, it's the second anniversary of Levin TV. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy doing Levin TV, how proud I am of you who subscribe to it. People didn't think we'd get it off the ground. We got it off the ground. It became so uh, successful that we built a network around it, CRTV, Conservative Review TV. I speak for 40, 45, 50, 55 minutes on a variety of issues that none of the other formats allow me to use. I'm on Fox on Sundays. I'm on radio all over the world. Podcast. You know, maybe one day, Mr. Producer, I'll end the radio stuff and just do podcasting. Honest to God. I'm just, it's just something I've been thinking about. But in any event, then there's Levin TV. It is a truly unique platform, a truly unique opportunity for me to speak to you and you to speak to us. Because you do get to contact us, and we have a program once every week or two weeks where we discuss what you send to me. And my uh, social media director, I'm sure he's annoyed with me at this point, but we need to do more um, Facebook Live and Reddit. And in the month or so in the future, we're going to do that. His name is Chase. His name is Chase Levin. I couldn't be more proud of him either. He's really great at what he does. So this is a family thing. Uh, My crew, whether it's radio, whether it's Levin TV, whether it's Fox, just wonderful, wonderful people, all solid in our little, little effort here to bring our ideas and to have fun. 
on every format that we can possibly think of. But it's our second year anniversary on Levin TV, and I hope you'll join us. Give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Folks, I'm not leaving Levin TV anytime soon. I'm signed up for five more years here. That's how sure we are that you're going to continue to want to watch. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, another thing I try to do here. And many of you understand that. Is I try and give people in this business a leg up. I try and expose them to you. I've done it with Ben Shapiro over the years. I've done it with doing it with Ben Ferguson, Brian Mudd, Dan Bongino. I think it's very, very important that we do that sort of thing. So you'll never hear me get behind this microphone and tell you that I'm the only one to do this, that I'm the only one to do that, that I'm the only one to talk radio. That's not healthy. It's not healthy for conservatism. It's not healthy for this business. It's just not. Besides, it's not accurate. It's not accurate. Now, we'll continue to discuss this immigration issue, but I want to raise another one. Well, before I do that, before I do that, let me close the circle. I jumped ahead of myself. Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown has never worked a cash register in his life. Neither of you, Mark. Oh, yes, I did. My parents had a small store outside of Philadelphia, and we all worked there. Didn't actually have a cash register. They had a cash drawer. Some days there wasn't very much in it. But that's what they had. Jerry Brown was born to a another governor of California. A very wealthy man. Jerry Brown has been governor three or four times. Was attorney general. He doesn't like the private sector. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't work in it. Besides, all the power is in government. All the power is in government. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, prior federal governments, when states refused to comply with federal law, would punish the states. They would punish the states by cutting off funding to the states. And in the past, the federal courts upheld states cutting off funding, excuse me, the federal government cutting off funding to the states. In fact, it's the biggest hammer the federal government has to hammer their policies upon the states. It's done in education, used to be done with the EPA and so forth and so on. As a matter of fact, I remember when George Allen, great guy, great man, great governor of Virginia, 
when he refused to buckle to every demand and whim of the Environmental Protection Agency, insisting on how automobiles in the Commonwealth of Virginia should be inspected. They threatened all kinds of federal government funds being cut off to the state. Now, he didn't buckle. But this has been the type of blackmail the federal government has used for more than half a century. So when Trump and Sessions come in office and they say, look, we're going to cut off some of your funds, all of a sudden, there's objection. The very people who did that in the past now object to it. That's why you can't take their argument seriously, but you better take what they're doing very seriously. Here's Xavier Becerra. He was a congressman from California. He's the attorney general. He's a complete left-wing hack clown. Cut five, go. Can you speak to the uh, the arguments in their case about the supremacy clause and, and just elaborate on that a little bit? Well, let's stop us. There's a supremacy clause in the Constitution. So when the federal government, and only when the federal government, is exercising its legitimate powers, its specified powers under the Constitution, in some cases, those powers are exclusive to the federal government. In some cases, they're not. But where the powers are exclusive to the federal government, and they're in the Constitution, you're not a constitutionalist if you say, hey, 10th Amendment, 10th Amendment, has nothing to do with the 10th Amendment at that point. You see my point? So, listen to this clown. Start at the top. Cut five, go. Can you speak to the uh, the arguments in their case about the supremacy clause and, and just elaborate on that a little bit? We believe that the Tenth Amendment gives the states the rights, uh, its rights to decide how to enforce public safety, uh, to provide for the general welfare. And if uh, Jeff Sessions can point out to me where in the Constitution it says that that's the federal uh, government's prerogative to do that for the states, then we'll listen. But until now, listen to how stupid this guy is. Listen to the platitudes he uses. General welfare. Excuse me, public safety. So, let's play along. Let's say there's a city, and the city says, we decide how we're going to handle public safety, and we're only hiring white people. Would Mr. Becerra say the federal government has no role? Let's say there's a city, and they say we're only going to hire, in our civil service, straight people. Would Mr. Becerra say there's no federal civil rights issue there? Leave it alone. Let's say a school district in a state says we are never, ever hiring Hispanic people. Would Mr. Becerra say that's okay because of the Tenth Amendment? What Mr. Becerra seems to be saying is we progressives can do whatever we want. We can defy federal law if it's in the name of progressivism. We will wrap ourselves in the Constitution if we think we can make the argument for progressivism. We will burn the Constitution and we will burn American history if we think it'll advance progressivism. How do these people live with themselves? They know they're liars. They know they're deceitful. They know they have no integrity whatsoever. How do they live with themselves? Well, how does any autocrat live with themselves? 
Go ahead. Find that provision in the Constitution. Uh, the Tenth Amendment still prevails. Moron. Hello. Moron. Speaking of morons, there's Jerry Brown. All I can say is, when Ronald Reagan ran for governor the first time, he kicked Jerry Brown's father's ass. And that was a good thing. Cut six, go. Like all laws, uh, there's lots of terms. Uh, There can be more than one interpretation. But what... Uh, Americans have done traditional. Oh, really? Okay, there can be more than one interpretation. So all you people who hate your Obamacare, it's all kinds of laws. There can be more than one interpretation. All you people are having to deal with the Internal Revenue Code. Hey, don't wear all kinds of laws, all kinds of interpretations. Don't sweat it. All you people in California with the environmental rules and the tax laws, just quote the great Jerry Brown, the Albert Einstein of our day. There's all kinds of laws that are subject to all kinds of interpretations. He talks like a schmuck. Go ahead. Uh, an attorney general would talk to our attorney general. It would work things out. This is basically going to war against the state of tell California. Me, tell me, Governor. Uh, hey, tell me. When you guys pass these laws undermining federal immigration law enforcement and attacking your own businesses in the state, did you contact the Attorney General of the United States to work those things out? Huh? Did you? No, you didn't, you schmo. Go ahead. Uh, the engine of the American economy. It's not wise. It's not Yes, right. ladies and gentlemen, let's get this straight once and for all. The engine of the American economy. It's not the American worker. It's not the American citizen. It's not the blue-collar worker, the white-collar worker. It's not the American small businessman. It's not all those Americans who work for one corporation after another. It's not all of you in your cars right now in rush hour, stuck in two or three hours of traffic, having gone to work, coming home, going back tomorrow, day in and day out, paying your damn taxes from everything to tolls, car taxes, property taxes, state income taxes, state sales taxes, Federal excise taxes, federal income taxes, now damn tariff taxes. No, 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 you don't understand. You're not the engine of the economy. It's people crawling across the border. They're the engine of the economy. Got that? I am so sick and tired of these damn demagogue politicians. You have no idea. You truckers listening to me today, you're not the engine of the economy. You men and women in Uber... And the other taxi companies and so forth. You're not the engine of the economy. People are stuck on public transportation. Every day getting up five, six in the morning to break their backs to go to work and come home. Who follow the law. You're not the engine of the economy. No. People who come here and can't speak English. People who come here and their first act is violate our law. They're the engine of the economy. You got it? And if they're the engine of the economy, I must ask you this question. Why is the third world not industrialized? Why is the third world not the super economic power of the world? Since so many people are coming into this country from the third world, they're the engine of our economy? 
The endless put-down of the American citizen is disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I just want you to hear this. Jerry Brown, cut eight, go. Well, you see the example that um, a California uh, would have someone in custody and they would let the person out and then the ICE officers would have to go to the person's home and knock on a door and wouldn't know what okay. was on the other well, that, door. That's not true. Look, we know the, the Trump administration is full of liars. They've pled guilty already to the special counsel. Uh, 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 hey, hey, hey. They've pled guilty already to the special What? You sure he's not governor of Colorado? Smokey's not. You sure he's not doing the uh, pot stuff again? Old Moonbeam here. Go ahead. The laws of California, nothing stops the federal government from coming to a jail. Uh, the, re- the release records are, are public. And there's nothing stops a sheriff who runs the jails to working with, with ICE. There's nothing in the law that prevents... Did I, did I not just read what the laws are that California put in place. When you have a one-party state, part of the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, you get the stupidest politicians. Jerry Brown is a very stupid man. A very stupid man. Does he not know what laws he signed? Or is he just a liar? Cut nine, Mr. Producer. Go. So the, the, a lot of this stuff is pure campaigning. Uh, let's face uh, the Trump White House under siege. Mueller is closing in. There are more indictments to come. So obviously the attorney general uh, has found it hard just to be a normal attorney general. He's been caught up in the whirlwind of Trumpism. So you see, Mr. Dummy made a confession here. He doesn't know he made a confession because he's Mr. Dummy. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats want the special counsel to do what the special counsel is doing. To disrupt, to undermine, to eviscerate the Trump administration. That way they can continue to do what they want to do. They can continue to do what they want to do. Mueller's closing in, he said. And he's ecstatic about it. Because you see, if we have a special counsel who's criminalizing, criminalizing policies, and he's closing in on the president, closing in on others, well then, you know, they won't be bothering Jerry Brown and the, and the autocratic Democrat Party in California. So it's always been about politics, and Jerry Brown just confessed, essentially, just admitted it. Just admitted it. Now, our buddy Joe Pollack over at Breitbart, and Pollack's very, very sharp guy, he was at this uh, event, I believe, with Dave Jones. Now, who the hell is Dave Jones? Well, he's the California Insurance Commissioner. How about that? Listen to this. It's short. Cut 10. Go. How is this different from the southern states standing up to federal law during Jim Crow 
when the federal government wanted to desegregate. How is California it's, it's, behaving? It's in very different. It's very different. We're talking about uh, a set of rights that people have constitutionally that we're defending through state law. Hey, so what, what, what set of constitutional rights do people have who come here illegally, but for the fact that they come here illegally? They have certain constitutional rights. They don't have all constitutional rights. They don't have a right to a court hearing. They go in front of administrative law judges, immigration judges, as a pro forma matter, and they're kicked out of the country if they come back to the court. The Supreme Court has ruled that too. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, this is nothing like nullification during the Confederacy. No, this is a different kind of nullification. We're standing up for the constitutional rights of illegal aliens. We here in this sanctuary city. Now, Commissioner Jones, because you too are an idiot, just like your governor, maybe you've heard of something called the Civil War. Have you heard of the Civil War? The Civil War settled this issue, whether people like it or not. And some people still resist it. The Civil War settled this issue. Over 700,000 casualties. And you Democrats still don't get it. You Democrats still don't get it. Because when it comes to race, that's your whole card. And you're never going to give it up. Whatever side you're on, it doesn't you're going to exploit it as much as you can. Because it's all about power. So this is a different kind of nullification, ladies and gentlemen. It's nothing like the Confederacy. Here we're protecting the rights of illegal aliens. We're protecting their rights. That's not his point, you moron. His point is that your use of nullification is unconstitutional. It's illegitimate. Especially in this case, where the Supremacy Clause does in fact apply, according to the Supreme Court which is loaded with your people, leftists. But none of it matters. Logic doesn't matter. Precedent doesn't matter. History doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. We're dealing with autocratic, progressive ideologues who are morons. And it's straight ahead. No matter where it takes, it's straight ahead, full speed ahead, all power, all the time. Screw the state, the party comes first. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Hiring? Well, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, listen to this. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there, 
ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter absolutely free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, I will do my nightly educational short segment on economics. Tariffs. Massive taxes on the American people. Now, I can't repeat all that I've said so brilliantly and thoroughly in the past nights, but let me add to it. You can always go to our shows on our archives at marklevinshow.com, our radio website. Let's take a look at the percentage of imported steel, not all steel produced for the U.S., but imported steel and where it comes from, shall we? 17% of imported steel comes from Canada, 13% from Brazil, 12% from South Korea, 9% from Mexico, 7% from Turkey, 7% from Japan, 6% from Russia, 4% from Germany, 3% from Taiwan, 3% from Vietnam, and 2% from China. Now nobody, but nobody, has been more consistent and persistent and resolute in condemning China. Nobody has been more persistent and consistent in, in condemning Russia than me. I've never been one of these code pink Republicans in love with Putin or the great economic engine of China. They are totalitarian regimes and they are our enemy. And they are waging cyber warfare against us every damn day. But this pervasive lie that China's dumping steel in the United States, which is driving down the price of steel for domestic producers, is the biggest lie you've been sold in modern times. They're two percent. Two damn percent. And as I've said, night after night, 70% of domestic steel production is by domestic steel companies. And now, those of you who work in the automobile industry, and that's a lot of people, not just those patriotic Americans on the assembly lines who put the cars together, who put the vehicles together, but every business connected to it, the businesses that make the parts, the businesses that make the tires, you're in trouble. Because the president apparently is going forward with his tariffs, which are nothing more than massive tax increases on the American people. And that tax increase goes straight to the federal treasury. And the protected special interest industries that benefit from these tariffs, they will massively increase their prices for steel and aluminum too. Again, as a, as a basic example, if you put a 25% tariff on steel coming into the United States, the steel manufacturers in our own country, they're not going to sit there and keep steel at the same price. They're going to massively increase at 20, 21, 22%. So they're marginally under whatever the tariff is. And last year they had a boom year. 
70%, I'll say it again, any, any industry that controls 70% of the market is considered a monopoly. No car manufacturer controls 70% of the market. No dishwasher, washing machine, dryer, HVAC producers control 70% of the market. That a handful of American steel companies do. They do. Now, one of the reasons that they have to have and insist on these tariffs, and by the way, there have been 160 duties put in place over the last several decades. Hey, man, what are you, a free marketer? God forbid if I am, right? Whoa, wow, he supports freedom and wealth creation and opportunity. But the truth is, people who write like that are stupid. They're morons. They know nothing. They're parrots. They repeat stuff. They repeat stuff. The steel industry has been pampered since after the Second World War. Do you know why? Because they were very, very slow to change technologies. When we blew out the Japanese, when we blew out the Germans and other countries after World War II, they were able to adopt certain practices and technologies that our older steel industries would not. They continued to embrace more expensive production processes, processes that would take longer. And so as Europe rebuilt itself and Asia rebuilt itself, they became more and more competitive. And because our industries were slow to respond and didn't want to respond because they figured they had control over this stuff after World War II, they were caught behind on technology. And ever since, these are the only industries... That decade after decade after decade insist that they must have tariffs, taxes placed on the American people. If you decide to buy anything that's imported into the United States that's made of steel or aluminum. And they've succeeded in wrapping this mismanagement and soft form of socialism in Americanism and in patriotism. And they've succeeded in persuading most of you that we must do this for national security purposes because look at all the mills that are shutting down. Now, ironically, many of these mills are shutting down because now the steel companies are putting more money into new technologies. So the older mills that are too expensive to turn over are being shut down. You can see the Trump administration goofball propagandist protectionists on TV all over the place. I think his name is Navarro. You know how many mills we've shut down? We're shutting down mills, mills, mills. It's because the steel industry is actually getting more and more efficient. It's like any other business. It's like saying to the oil companies, wow, you're shutting down drilling over here and you're shutting down that business over there. Yes, we're investing in fracking now. No, no, no. But it would be like having a shill go on TV like Navarro telling us how much the oil companies are shutting down. Going, oh, my God, we can't do that. 
And as these transitions occur, some people lose their jobs. And yet other jobs are created. And that's the way it works in every single business. The software business, the automobile business, you name it. That's how you have progress in a country. That's how you create wealth. That's how you create new jobs. That's how you make life easier for the population. Otherwise, you decline. You regress. You lose markets. You lose jobs. Then you lose food. Then you lose housing. Then you lose clothing. Then you're Venezuela. If tariffs are so great, then why doesn't the President of the United States announce tomorrow we're having tariffs for every single thing that's imported into the United States? In order to protect everybody's job. Because it's ludicrous in virtually every instance. And this is why these mouthpieces go on TV and lie about it. This is why People who know of not what they speak grab whatever they can, some talking points, and regurgitate them. If we have a 25% tariff on imported steel and 10% on aluminum, if that takes place, the automobile industry is going to lose about $1 billion. Now, who works for the automobile industry? Are they patriotic Americans? I should say so. Do those men and women have families? I should say so. Well, what about them? Well, apparently they don't matter. Are they billionaires and millionaires? Not last time I checked. See what's happening to the housing market? Do you see that, Mr. Producer? What's happening to the housing market, ladies and gentlemen? It hit the wall. It's hit, it's hit a wall. Now, why did it hit a wall? Well, lumber is going to be more expensive. We have tariffs, big new tariffs on lumber to make America great again. Now we're going to have big new tariffs on steel and aluminum. And yes, homes have steel and aluminum in them too. And so do the men and women who are construction workers. They need steel and aluminum for their equipment, for their trucks, and on and on down the line. But that's not even the reason why. That is certainly part of it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the new tax bill. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'll repeat it anyway. On the corporate side, the new tax bill is a marvelous bill. It slashed the federal corporate tax rate from 35 to 21%. and made companies in this country competitive with companies all over the world. And that's the way it should be. But on the individual side, it raised taxes on a significant number of the American people, including those who buy houses or vacation homes. You see, by capping the deduction for state income taxes, state property taxes, and then capping the interest deduction on mortgages. It's done exactly what I said it would do. Not because I'm a genius, but because it's basic economics. It's called the laws of economics. They don't change whether you're Republican or Democrat. 
the tax cuts on the individual side are very uneven, and in some cases they're confiscatory. And so if you do not allow people to deduct the full amount of their property taxes, then some people aren't going to buy a home because they can't afford it. When they look at the cost of mortgages. Because part of the cost used to be you look at what you can deduct on your taxes and that would reduce the, the monthly cost that you're paying for a house. If you tell people in the 55 or 56 states where there is a state income tax that you can't deduct your state income tax from your federal taxes, that also impacts their ability to buy a home. And when you cap interest deductions on mortgages, that limits the ability of people to buy a home. Whether it's your first home, whether it's your primary home, whether it's a vacation home, whether it's an investment. These are disincentives. And so disincentives have an effect. And so the housing market right now, you haven't heard this from anybody else, but it's out there, is hitting a wall. It's becoming more and more difficult to sell a home because it's becoming more and more difficult to afford to buy a home. And this was utterly unnecessary. They keep calling this the greatest tax cut in American history. How can it be the greatest tax cut in American history when you're raising taxes on millions of Americans? There should have been no tax increase for any American right across the board. Oh, and one other thing. When you go to buy that car or that SUV or that pickup truck, and the automobile companies have to add an extra thousand or twelve hundred or fifteen hundred or twenty two hundred dollars to it. For those of you who are getting a tax cut on the individual income tax side, poof, it just disappeared. It's all gone. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I hope you all got to check out my brand new show, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox News. I had some amazing feedback from Pan saying it's unlike anything else on TV. Now, if you've subscribed to Levin TV, you probably already know this. If you saw the launch on Fox but haven't subscribed to CRTV yet, I hope you got to see a little bit of what you're missing each and every day on Levin TV, except without the commercials. It's a different show, but the things we focus on our core values, principles, our beliefs, our traditions, history, philosophy, the Constitution, and so forth. So if you're ready to get past the superficial fluff that fills not just the liberal mainstream media, but too much of this medium, quite frankly, but you want it more than just once a week, you need to go to CRTV. We've got it all, and we've got great hosts, not only Levin TV and moi, you've got our buddy Phil Robertson, our buddy Stephen Crowder, our buddy Andrew Wilkow, our buddy Steve Dace, and on and on and on. And we're adding more all the time. It's truly a spectacular lineup, folks. You can get a full year of CRTV for less than 8 bucks a month when you use promo code LEVIN at checkout. That's like one stop at McDonald's. 
So give us a call, 844-LEVIN-TV. It's that simple. We'll get you all set up. It'll be very, very easy. That's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Make sure you use promo code LEVIN. Tell them. Say, hey, promo code LEVIN, and we'll get you all set up. Our folks are there right now, and I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. Steve, Denver, Colorado, XM Radio. Go right ahead, sir. Great one. It's an honor. Thank you. Well, I, I feel like I'm pretty far off point now, but I was when Prime Minister Netanyahu was on earlier, it got me thinking about something from when I was a kid. Right. I had a book report I had to do. My mom handed me a book and said, read this, and do it about this. And my dad said, that's a heavy book for him. And they kind of went back and forth on it. But he said, you know, he's old enough to know that the, that the world is the way it is. The book was called Yoni. And it was about oh, Jonathan yes. Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu's older brother, who, as accomplished as Benjamin Netanyahu is, Yoni mm-hmm. was the real rock star. He was a war hero in the Yom Kippur and Six-Day Wars. He was a legend in the Special Forces for Israel, which is legendary by itself. And he was killed in the raid of freeing the hijacked hostages from I have to go. You're quite white. He was a truly remarkable man. In fact, that book is a fabulous book. My wife's been reading it about Yoni Netanyahu. He was uh, an incredible man. Benjamin Netanyahu's older brother and all three of the brothers all were in the IDF, all saw significant combat. And Benjamin Netanyahu himself was shot in the shoulder. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I saw, actually it was yesterday... I had it here, and I didn't have time to get to it. I wasn't here. A piece in the Washington Compost yesterday. It's time to give socialism a try. By Elizabeth Brunig. Now, she's an opinion writer at the Washington Compost, and it's kind of hilarious. Time to give socialism a try. I think we've been giving it a try for a very long time. I think other countries have given it a try. The outcome hasn't been great. But this is the kind of thinking that's going on out there. And I wanted to go through some of this with you. And I hope my uh, my lungs hold up. And she gets into the weeds a little bit, but we'll, we'll work our way through it. In the United States, we've arrived at a pair of mutually exclusive convictions. The liberal, that is, that liberal capitalist democracies are guaranteed by their nature to succeed. And that our Trumpist moment... They seem to be failing in deeply unsettling ways. Now, first of all, that's an idiotic hypothesis. That liberal capitalist democracies are guaranteed by their nature to succeed. Really? Well, many of them have failed. And many of them are failing. And if the left has their way, we will fail too. 
She writes, for liberals, and by this I mean inheritors of the long liberal tradition, not specifically those who might be also be called progressives. Is there a difference? You know, we're not talking about classical liberals, and notice she doesn't use the word <laughs> classical in front of liberals. Efforts to square these two notions have typically combined expressions of high anxiety with reassurances that if we only have the right attitude, everything will set itself all right. Hanging on and hoping for the best is certainly one approach to rescuing the best of liberalism from its discontents. But my answer is admittedly more ambitious. It's time to give socialism a try. I guess she thinks we live in a pure free market world, too. Time to give socialism a try. What does she think these entitlement programs are? What does she think the progressive income tax is? What does she think the massive redistribution that the government's involved in is all about? The massive regulatory state, even though Trump is doing his best to pull it back, it still exists. I guess she missed all that. Contemporary supporters of liberalism are often subject, I think, to what I call everyday (laughs) Fukuyamaism. The idea explicitly stated or not, that the end of the Cold War really signaled the end of history. And that we can only look forward to the unceasing rise of Western-style liberal democratic capitalism. Who believes that? Who believes that? Now let's cut to the chase here. She says, by my sense, she says all these other liberal commentators she talks about are right that something is wrong with the state of American liberalism. The problem is much deeper than they allow. I don't think business as usual, but better, is enough to fix what's broken here. I think the problem lies at the root of the thing with capitalism itself. Listen, this is important. I'm trying to choke my way through this. In fact, both Sullivan's and Monk's complaints, these are people she cites earlier that are really no point, but I'm going on, that America or Americans appear to be isolated, viciously competitive, suspicious of one another, and spiritually shallow, and that we are anxiously looking for some kind of an attachment to something real and profound in an age of decreasing trust and regard, seem to be emblematic of capitalism, which encourages and requires fierce individualism, self-interested disregard for the other, and resentment of arrangements into which one deposits more than he or she withdraws. This is a poor, indoctrinated buffoon. That people are looking for some kind of, I have to keep turning, attachment to something real and profound. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what faith is all about. That's what family is all about. Something real and profound. That's what patriotism is all about. That's what the Constitution is all about. Something real and profound. And her understanding of capitalism is no understanding at all. Capitalism is what makes it possible 
for people to find earthly material fulfillment in addition to spiritual fulfillment and familial fulfillment. That's the point! That's the point! Now, those of you who've read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, who does she sound like? You see, ladies and gentlemen, the individual can only find themselves, their value, and attachment to something through the state. Through the state. She doesn't even understand. She's Hegelian. No, maybe she does, but I don't think she does. You see, capitalism, liberty, individualism, you don't know where one begins and the other ends because one needs the other. They're symbiotic. They're imperfect, but they're symbiotic. There's a harmony there, as Adam Smith explained. And you see, capitalism, that is, market capitalism, private property rights, profit, get in the way of progressivism, just like the Constitution, which diffuses power, which separates power, which gives limits on power to the federal government, is anti-ethical to the progressive. Because constitutionalism and progressivism are opposites. Capitalism and socialism are opposites. True, personal, individuality. And the bastardization of individualism, where it is argued that you can only really find your realization and your fulfillment through government, are opposites. What she doesn't understand, or maybe she is winning, is that she's giving a prescription for tyranny. You're not going to find your individualism in government. You're not going to find your fulfillment in government. You become a slave to government. And while she may write later, this isn't to be confused for a totalitarian uh, nostalgist, I would support a kind of socialism, she writes, that would be democratic and aimed primarily at decommodifying labor, reducing the vast inequality brought about by capitalism, and breaking capital's stranglehold over our politics and culture. She sounds, in this respect, like Marx. She is a intellectual lightweight, but she knows how to spew the platitudes. I hope you watched the inaugural edition of Life, Liberty, and Levin, not because of me, but because of Walter Williams. We got into this, these notions about equality, the rejection of personal liberty and individuality. We will never eliminate inequality. And with respect to personal conduct, to wealth creation... We never want to eliminate inequality. Inequality doesn't mean everybody's poor or everybody's rich. Inequality is a recognition of individualism, of each unique human being. 
We're all different in so many ways. We're similar in so many ways as well. They reject the progressive, our similarities, and they insist on exploiting and emphasizing our differences as they argue that our differences are unjust. Some people work harder. Some people work smarter. Some people are luckier. Some people are stronger. Some people are weaker. Some people are smarter. Some people are dumber. Some people are fatter. Some people are skinnier. Some people are this. Some people are that. No work experience. No workplace. No work assignment is identical. No amount of energy put into this or that is identical. The circumstances can never be identical. And yet, when you argue for ideological abstractions, like this woman does in the Washington Post, oh, they sound so cool and humane and compassionate. If we didn't have capitalism, what would we have, ladies and gentlemen? A ubiquitous government. And when you argue against capitalism, you argue against constitutionalism. When you argue against capitalism, you argue against unalienable individual personal rights. Where the government begins to devour more and more aspects of your liberty. More and more aspects of your life. This is a perverse ideology. These people think in perverse ways. The idea that you can find some kind of, quote, attachment to something real and profound through government, through socialism, through social engineering. In other words, through the manipulation of a handful of people who tell all the rest of us what to do is perverse and dangerous. Elizabeth Bruning is... A buffoon. I don't know how else to put it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, I saw this little piece yesterday in the New York Post. Michael Flynn. Lieutenant General, retired three-star general, has put his Virginia home on the market to help pay his mounting legal bills. You got that? He's lost his home. The original asking price in December was $895,000. His brother Joe told ABC News it's now $834,995. So he moved his hometown of Middleton, Rhode Island. He moved to his hometown last July to get out of the spotlight. And so uh, his brother Joe says, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This has been a trying experience for Flynn and his wife, Lori. It's been a crucible, and it's not over. I just, I weep for my country. That we have so many 
poisonous, evil elements within this country. And you and I both know what historians are going to say 50, 100, 150 years from now about what we've done to this place. So blessed to be here. So blessed. And yet look, we're surrounded by morons and buffoons, miscreants and malcontents. It's just incredible to me. You see, in the last election, we had Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, both involved in the political domestic espionage of the Trump campaign. And 95% of the media are just perfectly fine with that. I want you to listen. How much time do we have, Rich? All right, we're not going to have time. But when we come back after the bottom of the hour, you know I detest Joe Scarborough in so many ways. I think he's a man who lacks character. He lacks integrity. Who's lived a lie. Who's bought and paid for by MSNBC who's a complete chameleon and a real hate monger. A real hate monger, a real propagandist. And on top of all that, he's dumb as hell. And he tries to match the wits of Ted Cruz. A decent man, an honorable man, a man of character and integrity. And while his IQ soars... Joe Scarborough's IQ is down with the, uh, you know, the snails. The problem with Scarborough, among many, many things, but by the way, don't you think he should have gotten an Academy Award for playing the inbred kid sitting on the bridge in Deliverance, Mr. Producer? How did he not get the Academy Award for that? He played the part beautifully, I thought. Even the banjo. Maybe he'll get one one day. Uh, you know how they do that posthumously? To Joe Scarborough and Oscar for the banjo-playing kid on the bridge uh, deliverance. Here to accept it, Mika. Anyway, uh, so there's a back and forth on the Second Amendment between Cruz and Scarborough. Goes on for about two minutes. But I'm going to wait till after the break. Let me take a... Do I have time for a quick call? Sure. David, San Diego, Sirius Satellite. Quickly, go. Hello, Mr. Levin. You're a great man, and you're on the right track, and you communicate well to the rest of us Levinites out here. Thank you, sir. I was born in Rhodesia, a small country in Africa that was thriving in the 50s and the 60s. The economy was going along well, and along came the Russians and the communists, and... Mr. Carter came along and negotiated along, and the next thing we knew, we had Comrade Robert Mugabe as our Prime Minister. I then moved to South Africa. By the way, only only like in the last six months did they finally force him out, by the way. Yes, sir. Yes, after 35 years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then we, we moved to South Africa, where also a thriving economy booming. It was an incredible country. And along came the liberals, and uh, the Clintons were involved. And the next thing we knew, Mr. Comrade Nelson Mandela was in charge, and we were just shocked. By the way, you see what's going over there now, right? Going on there now? Chaos, yes, sir. Well, they're copying Rhodesia. Yes, sir. Or Zimbabwe. 
And All right, we got 15 seconds. What's your bottom line? Luckily, my beautiful mother married a great man from Rochester, Minnesota, and I was able to become an American citizen. There you go. All right, my friend, I appreciate it. Look, you won't get me supporting apartheid of any kind. What's going on in Zimbabwe to the people there, what's going on now in South Africa is truly horrific. We'll be right back. you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. What's on your bucket list? We all have things we want to do, not just work till the bitter end, except for me, of course. No matter what your answer, there's one thing you definitely need to knock down your bucket list. Money. Investing for the future is critical. Today, it's more complicated than ever. You know, we're facing a very different retirement reality, and sadly, many within the sound of my voice are simply not ready for it. Look, even though we're living with financial uncertainty and geopolitical instability, it doesn't mean we can't plan a proper retirement. I mean, we better. One that includes all of us enjoying our bucket list. It's possible to live the retirement lifestyle you've dreamed about, the retirement you deserve. Download PM Capital's free report, Bulletproof Your Bucket List, at marklevingold.com. That's M-A-R-K-L-E-V-I-N, gold.com. Or call their toll-free number, 800-599-8391. That's 800-599-8391. Start planning for retirement seriously. And now, to enjoy your bucket list around the corner. Again, get the report at marklevingold.com or give them a call, 1-800-599-8391. That's 1-800-599-8391. What's on your bucket list? Make achieving it the most important item in your financial planning. Well, here we go again. Matt, Carlsbad, California, the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. I love go your ahead, show. Matt. I love your books. Thank you, um, sir. I heard what you said about property, the property tax deduction, and I've thought about it a lot because it's going to hit me right in the wallet next year. Um, but the conclusion I came to is that deduction is really just a, a government subsidy for housing prices in the first place. No, so it's I don't not. mind seeing it go. No, no, it's not. When the income tax was first adopted, these deductions on property and state income taxes were part of it. You see, if you have a mindset that there is always an income tax or you have the mindset that all this money belongs to the federal government and they're just giving you a a special privilege here, you're incorrect. That's not the history of the income tax. That's number one. Number two, when you pay property taxes or state income taxes, those are net dollars you're using. So in other words, let's say you make $50,000. Let me me round it off. Let's say you make $100,000. You're paying federal income taxes on that money or state income taxes on that money. You pay those taxes and you're paying a property tax on that money. So those are after tax dollars when it comes to property taxes. So I don't don't buy that this is a subsidy and I hear Republicans making this argument. I almost choke on my my Hall's mental lip this uh, sucker here. Fact of the matter is, these aren't subsidies. It's our money. It's our house. We're forced to pay these taxes. These aren't, 
you know, this isn't a charitable contribution. It'd be one thing if That's you said, fair. it'd be one thing if you said, you know, deducting charitable contributions, you know, that's a subsidy, which it is, whether you're for it or against it. But when you're compelled to pay for government schools, when you're compelled to make these payments, and then you say, well, you deduct that or some percentage of it, actually, that's a subsidy. That's not a subsidy. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't like paying more taxes, but what about I, I'm not. I'm not asking you what you like. You're making an emotional argument. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not making an emotional argument. The homeowner, not the, the the renter, not being able to deduct anything. Well, of course, the renter's rent is less when the owner of the apartment building uh, deducts their taxes too. That's true. Good point. But the government gets more money, so everybody should be happy, right? No. <laughs> We're going to have tariffs. The government's going to get more money. So if the Trump administration does it and the Republicans do it, we cheer them on, even though we know. It's stupid. So what we have here, let's just let's just look at this for a minute. Let's let's do let's take a, a clean sheet of paper. We had a tax cut a few months ago. Who made out the best in the tax cuts? Corporations, right? They had a thirty five percent to twenty one percent reduction, right? Who else made out the best? Well, at the lower end of the income scale, more and more people are going to pay absolutely no income taxes. You think that's smart? That's terrible. You think more and more people should be taking a ride? No. And less and less people paying taxes? Okay. Then a certain percentage of the people who pay taxes got a cut. And they're going to see maybe a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks, some may see two thousand, twenty five hundred bucks. Not bad if you're at the, a lower end of the income scale. In the middle, you're going to see almost nothing. At the higher end, say you're a school teacher, the wife's a school teacher, the husband is a cop. Let's say you're fairly senior. Let's say you both make about 110, 120,000 a year. And then you add in a little bit more income, a quarter of a million. All of a sudden, you're rich. You're a small businessman or woman, you're rich. Many of you are going to see your taxes go up. Because these deductions will not be able to be used. These deductions. All these people who relied when they purchased a home on these deductions as rational people. These deductions that have been in place really since almost the 16th Amendment was adopted and ratified. But don't worry, you see, because you shouldn't be subsidized. Well, let me ask you a question. Is a tax cut across the board a subsidy? No, it's across Why the board, not? so it's because it's evenly applied. That uh, evenly has nothing to do with it. It's the individual versus the government. If you have a tax, let's say they say, you know what, we're going to have a flat tax, 10% across the board. All of a sudden, many of us are paying a much smaller amount of taxes. Is that a subsidy? No, that's fair. Okay, well, if you get it the same place by deducting your property taxes and the state income taxes, then why is that a subsidy? Because anyway, it's, where it's, it's, it's pointless. Yeah. No, you say it's only applying to homes. That's not true. It's applying to people who own apartment buildings. It's applying to people who own commercial real estate. It's applied to people who own maybe office an office somewhere. Um. It can apply to people who have investments in certain types of real estate, rights or REITs or whatever they're called. Yep. 
it has an effect across the economy. All right, sir. Well, you know, people want to argue for higher taxes. That's up to them. You'll never get me doing that. All right, my friend. Thank you. All right. I want to get back to this pathetic Joe Scarborough and the brilliant Ted Cruz. Let's begin. Cut 11. Go. But you know, though, that every American doesn't have a constitutional Second Amendment right to carry an AR-15. Uh, yes, yes or no? Uh, I, I'm not going to debate that. The courts, well, no, no, the courts it, will it, assess wait, it. Wait, 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 no, no, but the courts have assessed it. No, no they haven't. That's not what a denial of cert means. It, it, the court often, on an area of constitutional litigation, will let the federal courts of appeals. All right, stop. Hey, idiot Scarborough, he's too nice, Cruz. No court has ruled anything close to what you just said. Anything. Go ahead. Which is to let them Senator, debate it back and forth. And percolating. a denial of cert has been, no presidential Senator, impact. All right, stop. And Mr. Scarborough, why do you invite the senator on only to interrupt him repeatedly? Is that how you and your soon-to-be wife talk to each other? Is that how you do it? Don't you want to be educated? I guess you don't. Go ahead. Of people, uh, lawyers right now that are rolling their eyes at what you're saying because this percolation has been going on for 10 years. That's and, not unusual. And, 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 and remember, and, my career was litigating before the Supreme Court. So, so actually, I, this is not an uncommon thing. I, I recognize that's not what you do, but, but the court denies your... You, you, you wait. I don't need you. All right, stop here. This is where... He really can't take it. He can call people mentally unhinged, conspiracy theorists, right-wingers. He can call people all kinds of things. But when Cruz states the obvious, that he has litigated in the Supreme Court for a living, and the closest thing Joe Scarborough has ever come to a court is to, is to fight a ticket, then Scarborough gets angry. Go ahead. Lecture me on what the Supreme Court does and what it doesn't do. When the, if the Supreme Court denies cert time and time again. All right, stop. Hey, dummy. First year of law school. If the Supreme Court denies cert, it is not a substantive decision. They've decided not to take up a case. And what Scarborough is saying is, well, I, 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 I disagree. If they deny cert, that is, they deny the case. They don't want to hear the case. That clearly means that they ruled a certain way, and I imply it. That's why you're a host on a TV show nobody watches on a network that is pathetic. That's why you fail to talk radio. You couldn't put complete sentences together for the two hours that you and your sidekick were on radio. Go ahead. 2010, uh, and and they've allowed Connecticut's laws to stand in place that actually uh, banned uh, assault-style weapons. So right now, the court is sitting back, and they are allowing that to remain in place, and allowing that that is the court takes about give or take a hundred cases a year. Some days, some years, they're very excited. They may take 120, 180. 18, 121. Most years it's around 100. They can't take up all these cases. They get thousands and thousands of petitions for certiorari. They don't take all these cases. So Joe Scarborough, being the genius that he is, the court keeps passing on these. So they're letting these laws stand because they haven't ruled on them. 
Joe. But even if the court had ruled on them, there is what we call the Constitution. And sometimes the court's wrong. Perhaps you're familiar, Joe, with your great wealth of knowledge with the Dred Scott decision. Just because it came from the Supreme Court, that's not manna from on high. Or the Plessy versus Ferguson decision. You remember that one, Joe? Perhaps you do. And scores of others. Go ahead. There is not a constitutional right, and you know it. And you can talk down to me all you want to, but you know there is not a constitutional right. Joe, who's talking down to whom? You say lawyers are rolling their eyes at me. I mean, let's let's be clear. You you, you said this is what you do. I understand it's not what you do, Joe, but I do understand this. Even a dumb country lawyer like me understands. You're not a dumb country lawyer. You're just dumb. A dumb country lawyer who lives in New York City. You're just dumb. Go ahead. 15 today is not recognized as a constitutional right of Americans under the All right, let, let me, let me, let me, let me try. For you, not for him. He's a lost cause. He's an ideologue. There's the Second Amendment. Your right to own an AR-15. Do you have a right under the Second Amendment to own an AR-15? Of course you do. The AR-15 is manufactured. Many of you own an AR-15. I own an AR-15. So we have a right to own an AR-15. Now, there are certain statutory limitations, and you can argue the Constitution over these, by the way, and I would, but still. So, I mean, if you're not a felon, or if you're not convicted of other lesser offenses that are on the list. Or whatever the case may be. But as a rule, as opposed to the exceptions, you do have a right to own an AR-15. If you didn't have a right to own an AR-15, you wouldn't have an AR-15, now would you? Now the courts never specifically ruled on that specific weapon, nor will the court rule on any specific weapon. The whole point is... This is a dumb interview by a dumb man who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, and he gets his back up when Ted Cruz points out in a nice way, in a senatorial way, that he's a dumb guy. Go ahead. Is that right or wrong? Actually, under the test that the Supreme Court laid out in Heller, whether whether uh, um, an instrument of defense is in common and popular usage. Doesn't uh, matter. Go ahead. Popular and, and common weapons in the United States under the test of, of Heller, so it is clearly protected. You would... All right, remember the dumb guy in class who would sit in the back and shoot spitballs or shoot paper clips or rubber bands into the uh, light fixtures? Or maybe you don't know that. Put the chalk in the eraser. That would be Joe. And then when you question, how dare you question my intelligence? How dare you talk down? How dare you lecture me? How dare you be on TV and be such a schmuck? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, are we on? We're on. You know, people keep coming up to me. Congratulations on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And I say thank you, but I had nothing to do with it. I was just watching. But I do appreciate it. Yes, yes, it was a very tough game for me. 
Now, we're facing a serious crisis in American education. Students aren't being taught the fundamentals of our American heritage, what my friends at Hillsdale College call civics education. The result? More and more young Americans are rejecting America's founding principles. A recent survey starkly highlights this fact. For the first time, more millennials would prefer to live in a socialist country than a capitalist one. So what can we do? Hillsdale College believes the answer starts with a proper civics education. And Hillsdale is educating America with free online courses, Imprimus, charter schools, and a lot more. Now they're taking the unprecedented step of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide them to their students. Hillsdale does all this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty because they love America. Learn how you can help in this historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's pocket constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com for your free pocket constitution to keep or to share. To keep or to share. All right, let's see. Who do we have here? Lauren, Walnut Creek, California, XM Satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say a couple comments. The only way uh, industries will survive in America is if the government gets out of them. I'm a nurse in healthcare at a trauma center in surgery, and it's a nationwide crisis. We are low on saline. We are low on epinephrine. We're running out of Marcaine, which is a local drug used to help with pain relief afterwards. We don't have enough equipment. Things are breaking. Um, and being a trauma center, uh, second point is we get shootings every other day, but because they're from Richmond or Pittsburgh or Oakland, Jerry Brown doesn't care. Camilla Harris doesn't care. It's young black men that are in gangs or drugs. Now, what do you mean they don't care? They never talk about it, right? They never talk about it. They don't come down and have protests. There's no one saying, oh, take away the guns because these young black men are being No, no, they're very uh, busy uh, defending illegal aliens. Correct. And the other thing is we have a lot of patients that can't speak English because they're here illegally, and of Mm -hmm. course we have to take care of them, and it costs money that Americans don't get to care because... We're short on everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've been telling that we're being told big lies all the time by the uh, the pro illegal alien crowd. Lauren, thanks for all you do. I know it's a very very tough environment there. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Don't forget a great Levin TV tonight. It really is good. Check it out. And by the way, it's our second year anniversary right there, so please do check it out. And I'll see you tomorrow.